working, handballs back to Gorn, Gorn chips to the forward pocket, Oliver's there, oh, French goes up a mile, what a mark, what a sensational mark as Bailey French goes up and takes a screen. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for Days fans, by Days fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. My name is Tim. I'm joined here with Simo, who's currently in what day number quarantine are we in, mate? Day number six today, mate. Oh. Hope it hope it changes very very quickly. So, do you want to give us a little bit of insight? What what happened? Um, well, I went on holidays, uh, was it on Sunday? Um, you know, thinking, oh yeah, it'd be a nice little getaway, um, just to break up the holidays. Um, and then day on day three of our holidays, we found out from the Queensland government that, um, they were going into lockdown. Therefore, uh, we spent the last two days of our holiday, um, only able to get out to go get food, etc. So it was a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a whirlwind kind of a time because we were sort of rushing to get on a plane and, you know, we got on one as quickly as possible. We got on a plane on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening, and then got home late hours Wednesday night and found out we come home on a red zone, so therefore 14 days of quarantine. Yeah, no, not not ideal, mate, but it's, I mean, the main thing is that you guys are all safe, but it's, yeah, day six, mate, eight to go, and yeah, hopefully you're... Uh, Hopefully you're keeping sanity, although the demons aren't aren't helping your cause for staying inside the four walls of your own home. It's a pretty pretty pitiful uh, game on the weekend, and yeah, a pretty low scoring affair, which the Giants certainly were the hungrier team on the weekend, and they clearly deserved the win. and And demons just looked pretty slow. Yeah, didn't come out of the gates firing at all, too, and we relied solely on our defense, and our offense wasn't able to put up a winning score. Certainly, had those chances in the last quarter, but all in all, I suppose a disappointing effort from probably what we expected to be at. Yeah, look, well, watching from home, I mean, it was one of those games where you think, you know, it'd be just good to get the job done, like we did against Essendon, like just scrappy, just scrapping for a win. I thought we were going to run over the top of them in the fourth, knowing that, you know, our running power and everything, it's just, you know, blown chances really hurt us. And, you know, I hope we're not going back into our, you know, 2019 form of, you know, outnumbering inside 50s compared to the other teams and just not utilising and getting reward for effort I, I just hope that things get rectified and things change and we go back to the way um playing you know our d's footy but i think teams are starting to work us out a little bit which is a little bit alarming but also you know creates a really good challenge and we'll see you know what you know what our team can really serve up from this point onwards that's it yeah and it's been the teams that have beaten us have it's been a pretty clear i suppose blueprint to be able to use the ball really quickly through the through the corridor, play aggressively, open up those lines so that we're not they're not playing straight down the line and allowing Lever and May to to really you know control that back half of the ground. I think our forward pressure is something that's probably lacked a little bit the last few weeks, and I know there's been talk of our training has been ramped up a little bit in order to be prepared for September. So as I said, we did look very slow out there. The Giants have got some great speed, and, and I think that we were exposed in that sense, given that we've got x amount of rounds to go I'm, I'm glad that this is coming out now and not you know not round 20 not round 2021 it gives them as you said a, a good challenge a chance to try and adapt the forward line's been spoken about enough and, and in terms of scoring they do really need to figure out a way to to capitalize on our you know most effective forward line and what that looks like because at the moment saturday saw it our forwards that we had 
that were supposed to be playing deep could just got sucked up way too much uh you know up up the ground and unfortunately when when we did push it forward we had no one to kick to we were kicking to our little speed forwards um outnumbered in the contest and and bailey fridge who played a fantastic game but however he's not a strong power forward 100 i think well i still believe uh, the team that we did put out can still connect well it's just a matter of you know how we do go about our inside 50s as well because you know, if we're able to change lanes, you, you look at our ball movement across most of the day. We're kicking down the lines. If we're if we're able to change angles, you know, in any type of football, it makes the defense shift, and it can also create space as well. And you know, if we're going to be kicking to smaller targets, we're going to be kicking to space. You saw they were doing a rundown of how to you know get past our defense, and you know, it's that change of lane, it's that kick to grass to really you know, you know, the Cosy Pickets, the Spargos, um, your Neil Bullens, you know, you put them you know, put them out in space, you know, they're going to carve up defences and, you know, make them look really second rate. So I feel like we are doing that early on in the season and, you know, being unpredictable. Um, I think we're very, very predictable at the moment. I think we're not taking enough risk. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Well, let's try and look at some of the positives that we took away from the weekend in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and... and really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the voice all right mate well what was a positive from that weekend's performance um well a big one for me is well it's getting better every week and you can see by you know a lot of people thinking that this guy you know is probably up there with the rising star um you know in the in the betting odds as well um and that's uh Lukey Jackson I think he's tap works um, come and lead some bounds. I don't know how, exactly how many tap outs he might have had. Might have had you know around the ten mark, but I feel like we're getting a little bit more value out of his tap work, and that's obviously going to be allowing Maxi Gorn to push forward and you know create a bit of havoc down there. So you know having Jackson's work, you know improving around the ground, I think it's you know adds, gives us another dimension to really continue to hurt sides um, in the middle, and you know hopefully get that clearance worry fixed. Yeah, he's certainly somebody that loves to take the ball straight out of the <laughs> out of the center bounce or out of the stoppage as well. So he's not afraid to grab it and run. Been on the odd occasion also that we've been winning some clearances, which on the weekend unfortunately wasn't the case again. And in what's become a bit of a worrying trend, given the talent that we have in the midfield there as well too. But no, you're right. He he's just been getting better and better with each game that he gets under. He's obviously got such a great mentor in Maxi to learn his rut craft off, but it's 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 rounding out his game with everything else that he does. Obviously, the disappointing thing was that didn't get a goal between our big forwards on the weekend with himself included. Not that he's making his mark as that big power forward. Like He's such a versatile player. We're, we're expecting probably a lot of him or asking a lot of him. But I suppose if, if we're going to continue with a relatively small forward line and his contribution is, is one of those tools, then, yeah, we need to sort of find how he's going to be most effective moving forward as well too, especially if you've got Maxi playing down back and T-Max playing up on the wing or, you know, coming through the centre square where we found on Saturday, but we, we really had no targets to. Uh, it's certainly something that they'll continue to look at yeah, exactly. Um, what about you, mate? What else did you like? Been plenty of chat about our forward line, as we sort of discussed before, but I thought somebody that certainly gave it a crack and gave us a really good chance to be right in it in the in that last quarter and what we came charging with all those inside 50s. But Bailey Fritch, I just thought, played a pretty complete game. Obviously, a lot of his damage on the scoreboard came late, but just even getting into the game early and taking some really good contested marks up on the wing as well too, and certainly up the ground. But... And we saw with his field kicking, he's still a beautiful kick of the ball. But then obviously he really gave us that sniff at right at the end there. Uh, we kicked those two goals 
in the last quarter. Should have been awarded another uh, mark inside 50, uh, which is just at the start of the fourth quarter as well too. But it was certainly a most dangerous forward at the time. We sort of spoke about how, you know, Tom McDonald and Maxie didn't really sort of seem to be spend a lot, a lot of time forward or we didn't certainly maximize on the opportunities that when they were in there, we weren't getting the ball into them. But Bailey, as he's proven this entire season, has really bobbed up and been that dangerous option unfortunately we're probably asking a lot of him to be our first option and what what he looked like in that last quarter there he's now taken 35 marks inside 50 which is the most by any d you know season to date and he's also leading that so the next demon is 15 uh 15 marks less than what bailey fritch has taken so we had 18 inside 50s there we certainly had our chances to try and get back into the game and and really his game gave us the best possible shot that we could have to to get the win over. So really impressed with his game. I know he's probably been a little bit quiet in, in recent weeks. I think that Melbourne looked for him early, especially in that first quarter. He's always good for a goal or two a game. And, and there's a reason why you keep throwing him in as our leading goal kicker in your, in your multis, mate. He, he, certainly, he certainly can capitalize on that. We've really just got to find the right forward pieces around him that's going to complement him uh, and, and really continue to be dangerous, but hopefully have another marquee uh, key forward up there that's going to take the brunt of the attention too. 100%. Well, yeah, well, definitely a smart choice for the uh, Simo, Simo's multi. I think he's just cracked over 30 goals for the year now too. So um, don't forget his awesome mark too. It would have been, would have been nice for him to finish it off. But um, yeah, that, that mark was incredible on Lockie, Lockie Whitfield. So can't forget that one. Um, also, something that I really liked was um, Christian Salem's game. I think he was really back to his back to his best. I mean, I think he's been building after a couple of quiet games upon return. So, you know, the 31 touches and a goal, I think, you know, hold, hold his head up pretty high. And, you know, he gave us a chance as well. Like, I feel, I feel like he was definitely probably our cleanest player across the day. So, yeah, and he, he helped the Simos multi as well with the uh, most disposals for the game. Um, obviously, it was, it was close to win that Simos multi. Yeah, he almost had it. Probably been the closest, I think. Well, got the disposals <laughs> and the goals. It's just the uh, the matter of the the winner or the, the margin, should I say? You can't you can't choose the other team against you know Simo's multi. <laughs> no, no, but you don't you don't bet with your head, with your heart though, do you? You bet with your head, isn't that right? No. Yeah, exactly. When you're doing a D's bet, it makes yeah. it even better if you get up. Yeah, no, well that's true. That's true. No, he was. He was very composed. I think. You know, there was a lot of time where we were, yeah, we were sort of just withstanding a lot, especially in the second and third quarter, where you know the Giants were really pushing forward, and so that's Salem's role. He's just he's great at being able to slow things down and just make the right kick, and whether that's a fifteen meter pass or whether it's finding somebody in the corridor, we know that that his his composure is what helps us kind of reset and try and, as you said before, propel the ball forward and, and try and find some sort of attacking mode from there. Uh, but you're right, it's certainly coming off. I think these niggles and stuff that he's been dealing with all season, he's, he's been building back to his his best, and, and we certainly saw that on the weekend. All right, Simo, well, we've got to try and keep things, well, hard to keep things relatively positive, but there's certainly things that we could improve on, and we're going to talk about those things in our next segment, Pretty Pissed Off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right. Well, as I said, could be a range of things here, but I think we slightly touched on it 
right at the top of the podcast. But our forward line, highly documented about no changes, no Wiedemann, no Ben Brown after having kicking a few goals in the VFL the previous week. Went with our chances. Now, I talked about it last week whilst you were trying to get back from Queensland. I talked about last week that I think that that forward line generated enough opportunities and we just missed sets, shots on goal. Like, it, it has the potential and we know there's data, you know, experiences from those first six rounds about how effective that forward line was. So, I can understand where the coaching group's coming from in a sense that they're they're really trying to see if they can get back to that first six rounds um, and the form that we had there about about getting the right balance and the right mix of the forward line. Unfortunately, as we spoke about before, too often on Saturday afternoon, our forwards were just getting sucked up way too far up the ground. Like T-Mac had a fantastic game, I suppose, if he was a wingman or if he was playing in the middle of the game. He had 22 touches. He had 18 kicks, 10 marks, 11 of those contested possessions. He had career-high eight score involvements and four goal assists, so fantastic. He was doing a lot of the entry work there. However, he's our key forward, and if he's doing all that groundwork, then there were certainly times that we were really sort of playing in transition and and getting on the fast break. We get to, you know, 65 metres out, we had no one in front. And it happened last week when we were kicking to outnumbered contests. And whether it's Fritsch, who's that little bit taller, but then you're looking at either Cozzy or you're looking at Spargo who, or James Harms who found himself playing you know, half forward a lot. And I know I can see you shaking your head. And I know you've got a bit to talk about him a bit later on. But I just think that if that's the way that they're going to go, they need to make sure that there is some structure down there because especially in those second and third quarters where we kind of got you know, pummeled with the ball, we needed our forwards to stay home at times. And yes, he was very effective up forward, but as we talked about Jackson and his ability to be able to roam around the ground, but I think that we need to see him maybe a little bit more forward, forward of the ball. Maxi didn't really float forward too much at all. There was a couple of chances where we didn't hit him up as well too, but... I think we're relying and asking too much of our speed forwards. They've, they've had the chances, and especially with a big game against Port Adelaide, who have got a pretty a pretty solid defence there, and we're going to make sure that our forward line, give, give them a chance to get some continuity, throw one of those big players in, just to hopefully straighten us up a little bit and have T-Mac plays his best footy in and around the ground. He's, it happened in the first six, week, six weeks of the season, but... We're going to need to make sure that that balance is there. Yes, he can impact the ball higher up the ground, but if we've got him in there as our primary forward, then most of the time we need someone to kick to. He needs to be down there, and if it's not him, then bring in Brown or bring in Wiedemann, have that other option there that allows to allows the contest to be brought to ground as well too if, if, if the mark's not taken, and then hopefully Cozzy and Neil Bullen and Sparks can kind of capitalise on those ground balls. With T-Mac, I mean, obviously, you know, he's played an amazing game. You, you look at back to 2018 when he did come on as a, you know, real strong forward, we, you know, a lot of the time he would get it out the back, and that's when he does get most of his scores. He doesn't really hit up a lot at the ball um, when he is forward. He more hits up around the ground and you, is used as that link player. Therefore, I think, yes, we have been really good more so at the start of the year with a smaller forward line. I think what will happen or what needs to happen for you know things to work is um, bringing in another forward to actually be a stay-at-home. They can lead up, he can wrap around the back, things like that, shake things up because, yeah, I think that's where we get best value for him. And, you know, if you look at some of the uh, stuff across the year, and I think that's how he gets most of his um, goals and his set shots as well. Something that really pissed me off, numerous players doing it, it was not given the first option and then leading to a lot of hole in the balls. It's pretty simple. Team footy, you use the first option you back your teammate in. 
And the fact that we weren't doing that on the weekend really showed with the result. We use the first option and the back line does it. And you look how well we, you know, we link up. We can get the same continuity with our mids and our forwards and be able to link up that way. And it's it's much more predictable as well because you look, at, here you go, James Harms. I reckon four or five times he tries to take on the tackler, had an easy handball either back, left, right, even forward. Gives a hand or either takes it on, gives a handball, puts someone else under pressure. Clary's the same as well on the weekend. Just giving the first option would just make things just so much easier and predictable for our forwards to either hit up with the ball, get out the back, or even out, you know, being able to structure forward of the footy. Because if we're just, you know, not giving first option, then you're giving it to someone that is, you know, under more pressure. And then we're hacking the ball forward, kicking it straight to the defenders. So you know, that's exactly what's happened. You saw it against Essendon as well. Rushed entries are not our game. It's it's not going to work for any team either. Shifting lanes is the way to do it. Um, and being able to shift lanes and actually get players into space is the way you win footy. And the way we're playing or the way we've played the last couple of weeks, we're lucky against, lucky against Essendon. But, you know, if we're not given that first option, then it makes it bloody hard as a forward. I'm a forward myself. And, you know, if we're not being predictable, it's so hard to play as a forward. And you could feel, I suppose, the tension when sitting at the game and, and surrounded by D supporters that were that were clearly frustrated in what they were seeing. And, and when the ball was just being held up, like let's say, for instance, from a mark, you know, way too long and, and the crowd are calling out the options. They can see the entire ground and they're saying, well, you know, just take that first option, moving the ball quickly, you're spot on. It does. It just allows the defense to reset and we really struggled to move the ball. And then you've got players that are handballing to blokes under duress. You think about in that last quarter, especially when we were coming hard, I think GWS had 18 tackles in that last quarter and five of them were holding the ball. Now, we know the Jaden Hunt one was really big in that last quarter, and that's been very well publicized. But as you, as you mentioned, Harms got pinged a couple of times. It was just, yeah, time that we, we looked really timid. We looked unsure with our ball movement, and I just think that our confidence looked a little bit shot and whether they're just trying to be too careful and too precious with it. We had nothing to lose. We were coming from behind. We really needed to just make sure that if we get back to our best footy, it's when we move the ball quickly and finding space and as you said changing lines and allowing our forwards to run into space and and giving ourselves just the best chance to score because every time as you said we rushed the ball forward we were kicking to outnumbered contests and just kicking straight to their defenders i think a big thing i i've noticed too um probably more so in the last three games is we don't we're not taking risk we're you know we're playing very boring type football and it you know, it very, very rarely we try and hit the corridor, but you look when we do. I think a lot of the time when we do hit the corridor, it's usually Petrarca that takes a mark in there. Um, so having him go, maybe potentially go forward to, you know, give us that option through there, a really attacking kick, you know, really opens up the ground. If we're, you because know, probably we want the ball in Salem's hand to hit that sort of kick. And then, you know, once we get that, then, you know, the players start rushing through. You got your Jaden Hunt, you got your, your Trent Rivers, you got, you know, these players run through Evan Hibbard. I mean, we got nothing out of him from the weekend, so he's another kettle of fish. But, no, we were um, playing on green. We wouldn't say we got on nothing. He, free, he free, had a job free to disposals do. is, you know, we yeah. were okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, hitting those inside kicks, take it takes risk. And it also, you know, it's high risk, high reward footy. And I feel like we definitely did that a lot more um, in the first half of the year, um, especially all the reason why we're 9-0 at the start. And I, I think going on to the next point, and this really kind of stems into how we were attacking as well in that first half of the season, was 
winning clearances. And I know a bit of a broken record this season, but we got smashed by 14 clearances on the weekend. Uh, majority of those were around the stoppage, but you know, even with the center bounce as well too, we just looked sloppy. Max's tap work was actually pretty pretty decent. Uh, it just a few of the midfielders like Viney bobbled it a couple of times. We were talking before, like you find yourself turning the ball over straight after, whether a handballing straight to the opposition. And it's been an area of concern and Goody's addressed it in his press conferences. Viney coming back, I think against Essendon, it looked much better. But then last weekend where Looks the whole small. team came out pretty sluggish and pretty slow, we didn't look like attacking football and we play our best footy when the ball's coming out of the center in our direction and it does give those forwards a chance to lead up and, and we can get them on the back foot there whereas we're doing all the attacking from you know half back it's it's not as you said it's not sustainable way to score for the entire entirety of the game so clearances are certainly an issue and i don't know harms played i know you said about him before but i mean he he was playing half forward a lot of that game and i don't know whether he was playing a defensive role in anyone i don't think he was but he plays his best footy in the middle and i know that we've got the bit of the log jam in there this has always been one of those issues but he, he's a great clearance player and, and and can bounce off blokes when he you know when he's firing but unfortunately not he's somebody that didn't capitalize on on his time but maybe was played out of position as well i think he's a player that really needs to play when he hasn't got a lot of room. Well, I reckon he really fluffs it up when he has too much time to think about it. So therefore having him through the guts and actually playing run with roles where he can spread off another midfielder is where he plays his best footy, which we've seen him do this year. So that's why, I mean, I was, you know, it, it does look like he definitely was playing out of, out of position, playing it as a, you know, a half forward. I feel like we don't get best value out of him. I mean, that position, but like I say, we've got a bit of a log jam there and it's, you know, what do we do? Do we, you know, does Petrarca spend more time forward? I mean, you look at Petrarca's game. I mean, the biggest issue for Petrarca at the moment is his disposals. Pretty, pretty shy, to be honest. Um, you know, if he can start to clean that up a little bit, that would really, really help us move forward. The fact that if we did have him go forward, um, you know, it does enable us to use him as a hit up and you see it. Um, you see him get hit up in the middle and you see what it does for the team. So, I'd love to see Petrarca play probably a 60-40 game forward. But the problem is, I mean, you do lose him for that really strong breakaway in the midfield. Yeah, no, 100%, mate. And I think we talked about before about how the Ds came out of the gates not looking like they were firing very well. Like, they looked really flat, you know, very tired and very slow. And, and maybe that whole idea of potentially giving track a bit of a run forward. And there was times in previous seasons where we started him up forward. We started him at full forward. Was that last year? You know, and that might then alleviate some of that pressure. There's been conversations and dialogue throughout the media about whether the Ds need to start thinking sort of ahead in terms of just managing, you know, their A-grade players and making sure that we're going to have enough legs to get us through when it comes to September. And whilst Goody is very determined not to rest players out of games, but maybe it's sort of restructuring some of that forward line to have Petrarca start forward and allow somebody else to come in to the middle, whether that frees up a bit more time for Sparrow or Jordan to play in there predominantly. But then to get some fresh legs in just for a couple of games to hopefully give some of our A-graders maybe a, a bit of a rest without giving them the game off. And, and that way, that continuity is still existing. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, you definitely don't want to be resting players out of the games. You definitely want them playing because, you know, we are playing for a top four spot. You know, we can't go ahead and you know, rest our, you know, gun players. So, yeah, players like Petrarca, you definitely can play forward. It'd be interesting to see what we could do with Oliver. I mean, 
I know they'd sort of trialed Oliver in different spaces or different spurts up forward. I don't know how well it'll work because obviously he does his best work on ball. And I think he's probably one that you don't really want to take out, but definitely Petrarca being able to play forward and, you know, making sure you, you pick the right, those gun players that can play, you know, some more time up forward. And I think, um, you know, Gorney probably would do that as well. You know, they'll probably play him less in the ruck and play him more up forward. Or We've got the personnel, like we've got the personnel and the depth to be able to do that. If that means rotating Gus, Vonnie and Harms through the midfield and you've got Oliver and Petrarca sort of rotating sort of through half forward, deep forward, like as you said, they've thrown Clary forward sometimes to try and get rid of a tag, but he can be a damaging forward target. His goal kicking still leaves things to be desired and we know that that's not so much a strength of his, but that also gives a bit more unpredictability as well too in those teams that we get to play against and just kind of explore some different options as well too that you know things we can chuck up our sleeves that we can adjust and adapt to when it comes to finals time or to crunch time as well too so yeah i think i think that's certainly something they need to look at just in terms of being able to look after these players so we are fit and firing going into september and and as you said top four i mean let's say for worst case scenario say we drop port adelaide we then sort of lose our advantage at the top of the table. You've got two, three, is it two through five, I think, sitting on the same points or three, sorry, three. Three, three to five. On three to five. So 11 wins. So, you know, if we have a, a bad loss, for instance, we could be seeing ourselves tumble as, as low as fifth in that sense. So depending on how the rest of those games fall. So it's really important that, yeah, we, we do capitalize on that. And that means looking at, all assets of the game, looking after our players, ensuring our game plan is going to stand up and making sure they just get back to basics and just look at, yeah, really focus on what they did at the start of the season to ensure they had that hot start. And then, yeah, how can they progress from that? Within within um, resting players and everything, you need to be you know sure that you're going to be able to beat your opponent. So, you know, being able to respect your opponents very, very um, important because obviously we've got a couple, we've got definitely winnable games. Oh, every every game for us should be winnable. Um, but you know, you, you in the upcoming next four weeks, we've got Hawthorne and Gold Coast. They're mar- oh, they're you know, they're definite wins. Well, there should be definite wins. So, you know, for us, we need to be respecting our opponent. And I think in the last couple of weeks, um, or well, Essendon was, I think we kind of did respect them. But you know, you look at this week, just going in GWS, and I don't think we respected them. We looked, you know, obviously we come out of the gates flat, and we've done that many times this year. I think we've lost, we've probably lost about eight or nine first quarters this year. We've we've been discussing in first halves as well. So, um, you know, a lot of what Goody says is, you know, it's a tale of two halves. So. Yeah, we definitely need to respect whoever we come up against because if you're off your game, um, you've seen with our three losses, um, you know, you can drop those games that you shouldn't lose. I wonder, like, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. And as you said, Goody's always been preaching about how much they respect the opposition week in, week out, regardless of ladder position, regardless of who they're playing. Talks about how tough, you know, AFL footy is. And while some of these might come across as excuses for sort of some lapse of... Uh, you know, performance in certain quarters or parts of games. I don't know whether the players... I think we've sort of learned from our mistakes in that. I think in previous years, we definitely have. But maybe it's just the intense... I, I don't know. I, I could be just repeating myself here or or not answering your point. But maybe it's just we don't come out firing 
in first quarters, as you said, I think it is eight or nine games this season that we've been down at quarter time due to poor starts. And I think there's only been a couple that we've really, like obviously that those first nine games, we didn't lose. But like I think the Brisbane game was, was one specifically that was, you know, we were well and truly beaten for a full half and that then being able to claw back our way, which is fantastic. But we've said it all along, we can't rely on that. And our starts are obviously a an issue regardless of opposition and i would hope now that with goody saying it to the media i would hope that his his address throughout the week on game day is about respecting opposition regardless of where they are on the ladder <clears throat> um i don't know it seems like a bit of a cliche it's it, it could it could be both of ours but i just think our our starts just have not been a strength of ours anyway and whether that's not respecting the opposition uh i don't i don't know I'm not sure. <laughs> well, remember the game against against the Bulldogs. We were that's probably the best quarter of footy we have played all year. That was like that was just a different, you know, that was D's footy um, to a T. Like taking risk and we looked quick, we looked slick, we looked you know very efficient going forward. Like you know, where's that as a starting point? Like, do we just love playing at Marvel or something under the roof? I'm not sure. Um, but you know, where why why is that not happening? on a more, you know, consistent basis. Yeah. And I think, like, we've seen tempers have flared. We see that people have reverted to, oh, Melbourne of old, you know, a very Melbourne-style loss and that all that sort of thing. It's just amazing to sort of see how how much fans have backflipped after just, okay, it's been not our greatest month of footy, but far out. Like, we're still sitting 12-3, and the second on the ladder. I think we have to sort of gain some perspective and kind of just have a bit of a reality check for the second and just have a look at the ladder. Look where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. We've lost three games out of 15. We've played two thirds of a season and it's our best start in, what is it? You know, 50 odd years, 60 odd years. I think these fans just kind of need to reel it back in and just, yeah, you know, cool your jets a little bit because yes, all right, don't, don't get me wrong. I was at the game on Saturday. I was frustrated, but coming away from it, you just, you turn around and be like, okay, look, it's one game. It's a buddy marathon. It's not a sprint. We're not winning the premiership next week. There's two months of footy left to go. There's so much work to be done. We, we just have to back in our system, back in our coaches, have a little faith. I know <laughs> it's hard. I know a lot of us have, are emotionally and mentally scarred from, from previous experiences, and we, we all relate to that, absolutely. But we just need to see there's a, there is a big difference between this season and previous seasons. You can't just go and think that we've reverted back to the Melbourne of old. Uh, in those quotation marks, and I think I think you and me speaking to Kate Ruffy, that was a big thing that she was preaching about how we have to kind of lose that stigma. We kind of try and, as supporters, we need to lose that mentality because that's the the players and the club feeds off our you know our energy. And if we're going in there thinking and thinking that we're oh we're going, we're going to lose this game, we're playing Gold Coast, we're playing Hawthorne, you know, second last on the ladder. It's not. It's not the right mentality about it. We've seen it. How much of a change it has been this season, and it's going to be. There's going to be hiccups along the way. You can't have a perfect twenty-two and zero season. As much as the games that we've dropped, we could have won. It's reality. <laughs> reality has to set in. It's. It's not always possible, and the game's bigger than just one particular round. Yes, we've pinpointed strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely, as have multiple people on multiple social media pages and. 
it's it's like that. But I think we just need to, yeah, just reel ourselves back in a second and just have a look at the big picture for a minute and just have have a little faith and and see all the progress that we've made. It can't be undone after one or two rounds of footy. Tim, we always look at the uh, the player that's gone under the radar, you know, someone that doesn't get all the recognition like most players do. So this week, the Charlie Spargo Award, who who deserves it, mate? I mean, I earmarked from the eye test in terms of where I was sitting in the stands. I thought Harry Petty played a really good game. I saw a few people bagging him out across the socials and I thought he was really strong. I, a couple of, couple of fumbles here and there, but I thought that his game was pretty good. But I don't think that's who we've decided to go with. I've, I think you you found somebody a little bit more detailed and might have a bit of an impact uh, from a different view, mate. Who who have you got there? Uh, for me, it's Trent Rivers. Um, obviously, he's been recognised um, for Rising Star this year so far, but I think he's just one of those players that, again, keeps growing with every game he plays. Um, I think more so from an attacking side, it's starting to grow now. We can see, obviously, his defensive side of his game is really strong. So, yeah, Trent Rivers, 22 disposals, had 15 kicks, um, six marks, seven intercept disp- uh, possessions, and also went at 82% um, effectiveness. So, um, you know, he's using it well, and he's you know starting to, starting to hurt some sides and really propel the ball um, forward for us. So, I mean, that came with six rebound 50s as well. So, obviously, he's starting that chain um, to try and, you know, get some scores from that back 50. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. He's got such a good uh, group down back there to sort of learn off you just think about how good a player he's going to be i mean he's already such a good player already at such a young age like it's it's only again like that crop and we we talk about him a lot but far out like to surround yourselves with the professionals that he's got in lever and may in salem and hibbard he's, he's just got a wealth of knowledge around him and I just hope that he's soaking that all up and he's he's showing that on the field and and sort of maturing before our eyes so yeah should should have a fair crack at at uh at the rising star as well too well, Simo, we are the podcast by D's fans for D's fans, and we wouldn't be here without them. And it's the very important segment, Fugazi. People aren't commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do with your best uh, Mackie McConaughey impression from the water <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simo, well, there's a fair few reactions, a lot of heated reactions after our disappointing loss on the weekend, but I tried to pick a few that were still remaining positive because as I sort of chatted about before on my little rant there, I think it's really important that we keep our heads out of the clouds and, you know, just make sure that we're looking at this entire situation and picture uh, from, yeah, from a bigger perspective than just one or two rounds. So I tried to pick a couple of comments that were a little bit more positive. So first, we've got Steve McGinnis. Uh, he said, actually, almost good enough, because my my uh, my little slogan there was uh, nowhere near good enough, which I think, again, as I said, was pretty heated afterwards, but I still think, I still stand by that. Uh, just couldn't kick straight and dominated the last quarter, but didn't take out opportunities. Frustrating loss, but not a terrible one. So, yeah, I can see merits to that. Again, we've chatted multiple times. We don't want to always be playing from behind and not leaving it to the last quarter to have that charge. We were clearly outworked for majority of that game and 
yeah, we certainly had our opportunities that we could have come back and, and potentially got the win if, if we'd been a little bit more efficient with our foot. But fact is, we weren't. And uh, yeah, frustrating loss, but not a terrible one. Probably sums it up pretty well. So thanks, Steve. Awesome. Next one comes in from Kurt Scott. So our methods are becoming predictable. Slow starts, overuse of handball, cough it up, then watch us, uh, watch us opposition kick long to blokes out back surging into goal. So many games now where it takes until well into the first quarter to get our um, to get our first goal. Keep ex- can't keep expecting to win games based on our Dow defense and coming from behind. Yeah, I, look to be to be honest, I agree. I think we are becoming very predictable, which we highlighted um, at different parts of this podcast. Um, you know, just going straight down the line, it makes it very easy to defend. Um, yeah, slow starts are a big problem. And obviously the biggest thing to sort of, you know, counteract that is, you know, to win it out the coal face, win it, you know, and get yardage early and, you know, really put teams under the pump early. I think definitely with some of our on-ballers, we are handballing to blokes that are in probably worse spots. So, again, I think especially, you know, playing at the G, I mean, sometimes it can be a yardage game depending on the weather. Um, and any stage or any stadium apart from Marvel, I mean, you can you know be pretty slick at Marvel, but any anywhere un- where it's not under a roof, you got to be, you know, playing a yardage game, especially when the weather can be pretty pretty average. And last we've got here is Phil McCracken. Uh, he says, "Let's put it in perspective, folks. After tonight, we are on equal points with the Bulldogs, which are, which most are saying on here are a shitload better than us. So, all teams have played 15 games. D's and Dogs both have won 12 and lost three. Works for me. So, yeah, kind of echoes what we were talking about before. You still think about our record against top eight sides. We've got a tremendous effort." Um, you know, a tremendous record against those top eight sides against quality opposition. And we just have to think about, yeah, okay, our losses have come against Adelaide, Collingwood and GWS. So no, maybe not teams that are, are well up there in contenders. But as I said, you think about what we have achieved and hopefully they can just take that and make sure that they reset and, and look how they can continue to sort of recapture some of that form that got us off to that hot start at the start of the year. All right, well, we've covered last weekend's game, but now it's time to look ahead in our segment, One Week at a Time. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All right, looking ahead, um, obviously Port Adelaide coming up on Thursday night, so Tuesday now, so a couple of days away. It's nice to, uh, nice to know that we're actually able to you know, rectify our poor performance, you know, with a five-day turnaround. Hopefully that's going to hold us into good stead. Um, so obviously Thursday night at the Adelaide Oval now, which has been confirmed as 100% uh, capacity. So obviously the place will be humming with all Port Adelaide fans. So what the biggest thing I can think of is a, it's got to be a good start. Otherwise, the home crowd going to eat us alive. Look, to be honest, I don't think our players will get overwhelmed by it. I think... It's got to be. It's always the biggest thing when you you know when you're travelling into state and playing against a hostile environment and hostile crowd. It's you know there's really strong starts. And another thing I sort of get worried about as well is you know the game we played against the Crows um, at Adelaide over last time. I feel like we got outmuscled or we outplayed with it far. They looked really quick. You know with Port's forward line and the potential for uh, Zach Butters to be back is um, it makes it pretty. Pretty interesting and it's going to be a pretty intriguing contest. Um, but obviously being optimistic and we've got full faith in um, in us against the top eight sides, we've really 
you know, showing a different sort of side to us. And I think um, it'll hold us in good stead and, you know, really looking forward to this one. It's a fantastic opportunity for us to really go and silence our critics. I mean, we've still got so many people out there that are so quick to write us off. And I think, yeah, you just have to look at it like all successful teams have never had a perfect season in, in that sense. They've all had, you know, a bit of a purple patch somewhere. And yes, we're in the midst of ours, but I think going up against a sort of a top four contender in Port Adelaide is, is the perfect opportunity for the days to really sort of grab it with two hands and really prove everyone wrong, prove the doubt is wrong and, and hopefully sort of make sure that, you know, put the faith back in our supporters. Not, not that I'm saying all supporters have lost faith, but really kind of cement the belief that we've all instilled now with our success so far this year. It's yeah a, a really big game. And, and I think you've sort of pointed out before that Port Adelaide, have failed to sort of show up to big games at times. So they can be a little bit vulnerable. They're going to be absolutely boosted by the fact that they're going to have a full crowd, a full house at Adelaide Oval. And that's going to be a huge factor. But, you know, at the same time, Melbourne should be excited at the prospect of playing in front of a, you know, in, in, in front of a huge crowd. And, and whether that crowd's going for them or against them, I think they still should be able to feed off some of the energy as well too. So hopefully that, yeah, given that, whatever team changes they're going to make, get some maybe a couple of fresh legs in there and hopefully we look just a little bit more on the ball and I think you're absolutely spot on with the start and no doubt we have to have a fast start. We can't always be relying on coming from behind because, yeah, if we can't kick a winning score, then that's no good to us. So thinking about, you know, changes and what what do we need to make um, for us to be, you know, getting the four points at the end of the night. Oh, uh, to be honest, I think what we we did do need to change it up. And I think bringing in either Ben Brown or Wiedemann is definitely the way to go about things. Um, to be to have a focal point up forward. The the biggest thing about having a key forward is potentially they could play as a decoy. Sometimes that's that's why some key forwards only have you know a handful of possessions because a lot of the time they're attracting all the um, attention from the key defenders so we can hit up you know different players such as you know T Mac and your fridges and you know that's that's why you see Wiedemann didn't do much in his time there. Um I feel like he was playing a pretty sacrificial role, you know, really you know thinking about how I'm speaking now. Um and I feel like Ben Brown was doing the same thing. Um but obviously what Goody was to what um, we've been told or what we've heard is, you know, Benny Brown only played you know, half a game, um, obviously didn't do a lot. But, you know, the week before he kicked five. Look, I mean, they weren't amazing. You know, it wasn't an amazing standout five. Where he was taking big pack marks and, you know, completely taking control of the opposition. But, you know, five goals is five goals. Good form's good form. But, you know, I think the biggest reason why Benny Brown is in the twos is because he can't string two weeks in a row. As opposed to, you look at Wiedemann, 21 or 20-ish touches, three goals in both weeks. It's, you know, it makes it pretty interesting to see what the uh, the end call will be. You know, we've got a few blokes that, you know, looked really, really tired. Look, you look at Cosy Pickett, only had four disposals against the Giants. I mean, I don't see him going out. I think it's too big a game um, to see that happen. But it'll be good to see Vanders go in there and hit a few blokes. It'd be really interesting at the selection table. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, well, Vandenberg being the sub, and I think Jones must have been pretty close without before that calf injury that he sustained, uh, unfortunately. So, because I know he played a ripper of a game last week in the, in the twos as well. So, I think, yeah, I think they have to go with some sort of spearhead. And we know that our forward line has has functioned really well when as you said you've got a focal point in your Wiedemann or your Tom McDonald in that sense but that also allows your Fritch or whoever's playing that second third string forward to really thrive and and, and really capitalize on on having that second or third best defender and 
our forward line in the past has, has, has really flourished under that structure. So let's hope that they're going to need to do something because it's it's now two, three weeks in a row where we've barely hit 70 points, uh, if that. And it's not at the end of the day, we can't always rely on our defense. Yes, it comes first, but we need to make sure that we put ourselves in an attacking position to win and not always have all the pressure on our defense and, and really, you know, win the game off off that. So, yeah, I, I would say something along those lines. I'd probably... Potentially, Melksham could also be another one that they might be thinking of. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what happens at the selection table tomorrow night. Simo, well, another week, uh, another round, all wrapped up. Great to have you back, mate. We we certainly missed you last week. I, I don't often, uh, well, I don't fancy talking to myself at all in a sense. So it's uh, good to good to hear that you're doing okay. You're managing, and it's, I know it's not the greatest situation, mate. But there's only a few days to go. Big thanks to our sponsors, Hop End Brewing. Uh, this episode's proudly brought to you by Hop End Brewing down in Lillardale. So make sure you get down there and say good day to Mike and Jody and taste some of their delicious beers. And then, yes, you're all hearing, yes, little Harper now. She's come to join on the podcast. It's her first podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Saying go D's in her head. I can hear it. So I know you can hear it too. But don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google. And feel free to leave a review or feedback on Twitter at A-T-T-N-2-Detail with double E. Uh, Facebook and Instagram. Throw us an email at attentiondetailpod at gmail.com. Just before we go, though, we've got to make sure that we give the listeners what they want, mate. Simo's multi, you were so close last week. You had you had the goals, you had the most disposals, but obviously the uh, head-to-head uh, was foiled, uh, unfortunately, in, in the loss. But what do you got for us this week? Yeah, well, first of all, well, well, you would have got a bonus bet back um, if you put it on, so hopefully you used it wisely after after the D's game. Um so this week I'll go a little bit different. Um, I'll go Clayton Oliver for most disposals. Um, now this will be a toss up at this stage because if we bring in a big forward, I'm going to back the big forward to come in and kick a few. Um, if a big forward does not come in, um, I'll go with the ever reliable Bailey Fritch, followed by total points over um, whatever the line is. So um, you'll see that come out when uh, the betting opens. Um, so yeah, we'll do a total points over whatever that line may be. Which awesome, mate! So for all those betters out there, make sure you jump on Simo's multi. He's been very, very close, and I'm sure. Yeah, it's, he's, I'm pretty sure it still stands that if, if it falls over, he's, if you find him at the footy, uh, he's going to shout you a beer. So, I mean, the fact that you're in quarantine, mate, that probably helps you out there know. in that sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I look at my record at the MCG this year and I'm 5-0. and oh, So, you know, you want me back there as quickly as possible, even though we're playing at Adelaide Oval this week. But uh, I think next week we play Hawthorne, don't we, at the G? Yeah, we do. Yep. Still not sure on the time and date still to be confirmed, I think, by the could be, AFL. It could but... be a Sunday, so you could be could be in luck. And uh, hopefully you'll be shouting me beers after I get you a multi-win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, mate. Well, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, take care in quarantine. And looking forward to seeing you in face. Harper says goodbye, good luck, and go Ds. And, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Go Ds. Go Ds. Go Ds.